For this episode, I detail the return of the tax court to Kansas City and Wichita. Thank you for tuning in to Tax Justice Warriors. Welcome to Tax Justice Warriors, the podcast that celebrates the work of low-income taxpayer clinics, focuses on tax controversy work, and looks at related issues in tax news. I'm your host, William Schmidt, the director of the Low-Income Taxpayer Clinic at Kansas Legal Services. Last week, the tax court returned to the Kansas City and Wichita dockets. Those are dockets that I cover through the Kansas Legal Services low-income taxpayer clinic. And so during this time, this is a period of virtual tax court calendar call sessions and trial hearings. So what that means is that individuals involved with tax court for that time are given a link through ZoomGov to log on. So certainly court personnel, the IRS appearing as respondent, the various petitioners, low-income taxpayer clinics, and other pro bono volunteer attorneys or other volunteers are making themselves available during that time. And so the sessions that I was volunteering for were Monday, February 8th, and Thursday 11, that the Monday session was for Kansas City, Missouri, and the Thursday session was for Wichita, Kansas. So the Monday session, we had participation from the three local Kansas City low-income taxpayer clinics that I cover Kansas And then there are two on the Missouri side, Legal Aid of Western Missouri, that they cover a certain section of the western part of Missouri in their geographic area of coverage, and the University of Missouri, Kansas City School of Law, low-income taxpayer clinic, that they are a teaching clinic for students, and they are not necessarily geographically limited, but their main coverage is the Kansas City metropolitan area, both Kansas and Missouri. And beyond that, they work with people who are willing to travel and communicate with them. So they have worked with other people further away in the Midwest, but the majority of their clients are in the Kansas City metropolitan area. So they are working with clients on both sides of the state line, while Legal Aid of Western Missouri works with Missouri clients, and I work with Kansas clients. So on the morning of the calendar call sessions, that they have the court docket starting at 10 o'clock for the calendar call, they let the petitioners know that they can appear from 9 to 10 o'clock. They could then be placed in a private meeting room with a clinician or a pro bono attorney to advise them and see whether to represent them fully. And they ask those of us who are volunteering to log on at 8.45 
a.m. local time. That gives us some extra time if there are technical difficulties or some other issue with logging in. So starting out the that Monday, there had been snow over the weekend locally, so there were several car accidents as I drove into work. People who were off the main highway that I took to go into work. So it was certainly an issue of using safe driving as I went into work. And then when it came to logging in, I noticed that I had not received a actual Zoom link, but was given the login and password. So I had to log into Zoom and enter those in to be admitted to the Zoom sessions. So for that Monday morning, there was only one petitioner that appeared, and actually her case had been continued. So both the IRS counsel and I gave our contact information. The petitioner was a Kansas resident, so we gave our contact information that perhaps we could help her to resolve her case at a later point. And as a side note, she has not contacted me as of this recording, but hopefully she can get her case resolved in a timely fashion. So otherwise, no petitioners appeared during the hour from 9 to 10 locally, and during these periods, we generally make small talk between the parties over Zoom. Then at 10 o'clock, court was in session that it was Judge Ronald Book, who was the judge for both the Kansas City and Wichita sessions. And as we went, no petitioners actually appeared. They had five petitioners that were potentially expected on the docket none showed up. So I believe it was that there were two verbal settlement agreements between the petitioners and the IRS, but there had not been any signed paperwork submitted. So I believe the IRS put forth what those verbal agreements were, and the judge accepted those. And then there were three petitioners who had not been responsive, so the IRS had filed a motion to dismiss for lack of prosecution, and the judge granted those motions. And that whole am amount of proceedings took roughly 15 to 20 minutes, and then the court session was over. So at that point, Judge Book took the initiative to ask the various clinicians that were on the Zoom session if we had any feedback for the recent upgrade by the tax court regarding their filing system to the Dawson electronic filing. So we gave feedback that I asked a question about practitioners who were 
needing to modify their email addresses, that he responded that the original plan was to try and get everyone on board with a current email address, and that did not happen as planned, that different representatives had either made a transition in their career or had not followed the instructions, and so they were not able to get notices of new updates in their cases or modify their email address. And so Judge Book said that that went from a low priority to a high priority. And so his hope was that it would be corrected over the weekend before this episode goes live. He did not want to overpromise, but he did think that it would be corrected soon. Then another question that was asked was if there would be a way to access files for those individuals who might be asked to represent an unrepresented petitioner, such as the clinics, that would there be a way to be able to review the case as a bit of a difference between the limited access to the public and the greater requirements of an entry of appearance. So to cut to the answer, it would be entering a limited entry of appearance in order to review documents and see whether that person would be representing the petitioner in that matter. But Judge Book also talked through the different issues with providing access to the public when it comes to documents available on the tax court website. So he said, I believe, that he had done a presentation for the American Bar Association section of taxation. I believe he thought it was the last live session in Boca Raton, Florida, but he presented on how he did a statistical analysis of and had a broad sample that I am going to be speaking from memory, so I do not have exact numbers in front of me, but he did explain how it was a significant sampling size, and so from that he looked at since there is a large amount of the petitioners that are unrepresented, then looked at the filing by represented petitioners and then also filings by the IRS, that to cut quickly to the result, certainly there was a large amount of unredacted information, the personal information of not just social security numbers, but also bank accounts and other personal information that was submitted by unrepresented petitioners. But also, there was a good amount submitted also by the represented petitioners and the IRS, enough to draw a conclusion that 
really all categories were not safe when it came to providing their information publicly. Also, he looked at briefs as an example. Generally, one would not be including personal information in those, but he did give an example of where IRS counsel had incorporated a screenshot of a petitioner's bank account information into the brief, and so there was that personal information within a brief. So not even that category would be acceptable to make open to the public. And he said that was really his criteria. What amount of personal information was he comfortable in providing to the public? Right now, that answer is none. And so it means that the main public information available is orders submitted by the court, that none of those have the personal details that need to be hidden, and so that is what is acceptable to the public, that in order to receive access to a petitioner's case, that one would have to file either a limited entry of appearance or a regular full entry of appearance in order to be in the case. Now, another question that I asked was the judge's thoughts on moving forward with Zoom sessions in the future, and he said really that they had not been done much before the pandemic, but generally one can submit various motions, including a motion for a a hearing by Zoom, and submit them for the judge to consider whether to grant that motion. And he did not see any reason why those could not happen going forward. Now, he did say that he generally likes to do conference calls by phone and not doing a Zoom meeting, but doing Zoom sessions are certainly a consideration. And I must admit, I was thinking about the calendar calls in the future for Wichita, that generally that is a three-hour drive, and so I am often spending the night in Wichita before a calendar call session. So it is something I might think about if there is no expectation for any petitioners to appear in Wichita, but I will think on that further in the future. So we soon ended our session in Kansas City, that even with the extra question and answer session with Judge Book, it wound up going for less than an hour, and the Kansas City docket was complete for February 2021. So turning to Wichita, Kansas for February 11, that Thursday, that again, no petitioner showed up before 10 o'clock. There was really only one petitioner expected, and this person She had called in around 10 and was saying she was having trouble connecting her Zoom. So after some 
technical difficulties, she wound up calling in and only appeared over audio without any video. And after the judge explained some of what was going on, he then let her know that I was available to advise. She agreed to meet with me, and that was about 10.30 or so, and we were going to be back at court at 11, so I spoke with her privately over the phone and found out about her case. So I reported back and was still saying that I did not have the full facts, but I discussed with Judge Book and IRS counsel, and we determined that we would have a conference call on Tuesday the 23rd, that I would gain access to information and counsel the petitioner and determine where we would go moving forward. So I looked over the forms, and at one point, the voluntary, uh, excuse me, the limited entry of appearance required the petitioner's signature, but during the times of the, the pandemic, that is not required. What is required is informed consent. So there wound up being a couple phone calls with the petitioner that day, but I got informed consent and filed a limited entry of appearance from, I believe, the 11th through the 23rd. And filing the limited entry of appearance gave me full access to the file, and so I understood from that point what both sides of the arguments were. Part of my sympathy for the petitioner is that she has different physical impairments, that her disability also may be useful when it comes to medical expenses that might offset the taxability of her income. So that is generally what I am pursuing going forward. So hopefully this session gave you some information on the tax court and thinking through an example of a real-life case related to tax court. I hope it is educational for you, and I want to thank you again for tuning in that right now there is severe winter weather covering a good amount of the United States. So I hope that you stay warm, stay safe, and I look forward to our next episode. Thank you for listening to Tax Justice Warriors. We have a Patreon page if you'd like to support this podcast. Providing monetary support for this podcast helps with expenses like equipment or travel to tax conferences. Supporting this podcast through Patreon comes with rewards, so check out our Patreon page. Please rate or review this podcast because positive reviews help get more people to know this podcast exists. The views expressed on this podcast are not official opinions of the IRS, the Low Income Taxpayer Clinic Program, or the employers of the people who spoke on this program. Your tax situation is unique, so do not take the statements on this program as tax or legal advice. Consult with your own tax professional to provide you with specific advice on your situation. Tune in next time on Tax Justice Warriors for another interesting tax discussion.